Welcome to the Books Highlighted Podcast. I'm your host, Fecia Ellis. Books are my passion, and I want to share this passion with you. Books, old and new, fiction, nonfiction, action, self-help, memoirs, thrillers, dystopia, biography, historical fiction, mysteries, and as a Christian, I also take in some instructional or educational Christian books. I love books, and I love to read. As I read, I keep a highlighter in hand to mark the passages that speak to me. These passages will be the bulk of what I share with you. Some podcast episodes will be short with only a few highlighted portions of a novel. Other books will be split into several podcasts as the highlighted portions take several pages. So let's get started. Today is November 2nd, 2023, and this is episode one, Deception Point by Dan Brown, copyright 2001. So why did I start with this book? It was on the top of my stack. All right. What I'm going to start out first with is the reading on the back panel. That's so you can kind of get an overview of possibly what it is that you're going to be um, hearing. I do not give away plots and story. But I just read the back thing and read the highlighted portions. And then I tell you how I feel about the book when I'm done. So on Deception Point. When a NASA satellite discovers an astonishingly rare object buried deep in the Arctic ice, the floundering space agency proclaims a much-needed victory, a victory with profound implications for NASA policy and the impending presidential election. To verify the authenticity of the find, the White House calls upon the skills of intelligence analyst Rachel Sexton, accompanied by a team of experts, including the charismatic scholar Michael Tolland, Rachel travels to the Arctic and uncovers the unthinkable evidence of scientific trickery, a bold deception that threatens to plunge the world into controversy. But before she can warn the president, Rachel and Michael are ambushed by a deadly team of assassins. Fleeing for their lives across a desolate and lethal landscape, their only hope for survival is to discover who is behind this masterful plot. The truth they will learn is the most shocking deception of all. Okay, let's get started on what I've highlighted in here. And because it's a novel, generally there's not that much. And so that's kind of cool too. This is on page 24. Right, this is about Rachel. She had once heard the flying Oval Office had over 4,000 square feet of interior floor space, including four separate private sleeping quarters, berths for a 26-member flight crew, and two galleys capable of providing food for 50 people. On page 25, Rachel stood alone in the Air Force's one famous Air Force One's famous wood-paneled four cabin. This was a room used for meetings, entertaining dignitaries, and apparently for the scaring the hell out of the first-time passengers. The room spanned the entire width of the plane, as did its thick tan carpeting. The furnishings were impeccable: cordovan leather armchairs around a bird's-eye maple meeting table burnished brass floor lamps beside a continental sofa and hand-etched crystal glassware on mahogany wet bar. I have to admit this is my first explanation of what Air Force One looked like. So that's why you did that one. On page 78, NASA Administrator Lawrence Ekstrom was a giant of a man, ruddy and gruff, like an angry Norse god. His quickly his prickly blonde hair, blonde hair was cropped military short above a furrowed brow, and his bulbous nose was spidered with veins. At the moment, his stony eyes drooped with the weight of countless sleepless nights. I love descriptives of people. 
on page 84, Marjorie Tench was hideous looking, and at the moment, she sat slouched in her chair, smoking a cigarette, her right arm moving in a languid, rhythmic back and forth to her thin lips, like a giant praying mantis feeding. That's another description I thought was interesting, too. On page 107, insects were members of the phylum Anthropoda, creature giving hard outer skeletons and joint legs, jointed legs, with over 1.25 million species and an estimated 500,000 still to be classified earth bugs, in parentheses, outnumber all of the other animals combined. They made up of 90% of all the planet species and the astounding 40% of the planet's biomass. It was not so much the bugs' abundance that impressed as it was their resilience. From the Antarctic ice beetle to the Death Valley sun scorpion, bugs happily inhabited deadly ranges in temperature, dryness, and even pressure. They also had mastered exposure to the most deadly force known to the, in the universe. Radiations following a nuclear test in 1945, Air Force officers had donned radiation suits and examined Ground Zero only to discover cockroaches and ants happily carrying on as if nothing had happened. Astronomers realized that, a, a, that an anthropod's protective exoskeleton made it a perfectly viable candidate to an inhabitant to inhabit the countless radiation saturated planets where nothing else could live. And this is a short one tonight because this is my last entry. During Ekstrom's years working at the Pentagon, he had learned oh, and this was page 115, had learned that Roswell incident had been nothing more than a military accident during a classified operation called Project Mogul, the flight test of a spy balloon being designated to listen to, designed to listen in a Russian atomic test. A prototype, while being tested, had drifted off course and crashed in the New Mexico desert. Unfortunately, a civilian found the wreckage before the military did. Unsuspecting rancher William Brazel had stumbled across a debris field of radical synthesized neoprene and lightweight metals unlike anything he'd ever seen, and he immediately called into the sheriff. Newspapers carried the story of the bizarre wreckage, and public interest grew fast. Fueled by the military's denial that the wreckage was theirs, reporters launched investigations, and the covert status of Project Mogul came into, this, into serious jeopardy. Just as it seemed, the sensitive issue of a spy balloon was about to be revealed, something wonderful happened. The media drew an unexpected conclusion. They decided that the scraps of futuristic substance could only have come from an extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial source, creatures more scientifically advanced than humans. The military's denial of the incident obviously had to be one thing only, a cover up the contact with the aliens. Although baffled by this new hypothesis, the Air Force was not about to look a gift horse in the mouth. They grabbed the alien story and ran with it. The world's suspicion that aliens were visiting New Mexico was far less a threat to national security than that of the Russian, Russians catching wind of Project Mogul. To fuel the alien cover story, the intelligence community shrouded Roswell incident in secrecy and began orchestrating security leaks, quiet murmurings of alien contacts, recovered spaceships, and even a mysterious Hangar 18 at Dayton's Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where the government was keeping alien bodies on ice. The world bought the story, and Roswell fever swept the, swept the globe. From that moment on, whenever a civilian mistakenly spotted an advanced 
U.S. military aircraft, the intelligence community simply dusted off the old conspiracy. See, I don't know if that's true or not, and we don't know for sure anyway, but I think that was an interesting uh, statement. And it could be true, you know. It could be military uh, covering up what they were doing something with, with spying, and I wouldn't be surprised a bit, but I thought that was an interesting uh, version of, of the Roswell, New Mexico story. That's all I've got on this one. Um, I enjoy this novel as it touched on the action I love, and I didn't, and none of, I didn't highlight any of those. But it delves into scientific discoveries and the possible ramifications of these discoveries. It also had a plot that kept me interested. Plus, I learned a couple of things, and who doesn't love learning? I would recommend reading this book. And that's all I got for today. This is uh, uh, this is my income-producing activity of the day is StreamYard. This is what I, the program I'm using to record this podcast and my other podcast, This Grandma's Life podcast. Um, if you decide that you ever want to get into a to doing podcasting, I have to admit I really enjoy doing it. It's pretty. It's um, I, I enjoy basically the whole process of it. So if you decide you ever want to start a podcast to tell your story, to talk about whatever it is that interests you, um, go ahead and, and take the, go down to the link below and uh, go to StreamYard through that link, and and uh, I would certainly appreciate it. Um, I know that I'm just getting started, but I'm still asking you for a five-star review. And uh, I'm like I said, I'm going to be covering a whole variety of books. And uh, I think you'll find them interesting. Um, where I can be found is at uh, this uh, is, is grandmashomestead.farm. That's my website. Uh, I do blog posts on it on average on once a week. Um, I've also got recipes I'm posting. There's several things I'm going to start working on and expanding that, that uh, website too. Um, I've got my main YouTube channel is uh, Grandma's Homestead YouTube channel, Farm Animal Life YouTube channel, This Grandma's Life podcast. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, MeWe, Twitter, and Rumble under some version of Thesia Ellis or Thesia E. And like on Facebook, it's Thesia Dayhoff Ellis. And that's all I've got for you tonight. This is short and sweet, but it was a good start, and I appreciate it. I'll see you next time.